pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 302. Today I'm going to chat with Cadence Connectney, aka Officer KK, discuss an outrageous raid by the IRS, highlight a new pistol stabilizer from One Shot Systems, and talk about the sweet plea deal Hunter got this week. I am your host, Ava Flanell. Cadence, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I don't know if you've ever laminated your brows, which is essentially like perming them. It kind of gives it like that microblade effect. And I'm sure all the guys that are listening, they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. But it <laughs> it like makes your brows kind of you like perm them so they're up. They go up sort of. Yeah. And it makes them look fuller. And I think it looks good if it's done right. But I also tinted my eyebrows and I tinted them brown, which I have like really, really light eyebrows, but it looks like I have two black caterpillars now on my face. <laughs> well, I, I like the laminated look, so I, I liked it when I saw you at Utah. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. Yeah. My friend came over yesterday and cause we got tired of like, we were using the same lady and she wasn't really that great. And like the quality just continued to go down. So we were like, you know what, how hard could it be? Let's figure out how to do this. And <laughs> they actually look a lot better than what she's done. And we're not professionals, but yeah, wow. the tint, I'll send you a picture. The tint though is pretty dark, but I also can't get my eyebrows wet for 24 hours. And I was told as soon as I'm able to wash it, then like the tint kind of fades a little bit. It's not as, cause you know, the dye is still on there. Yeah. First so, time dye, first day dye, you're like, Oh man, did I make Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. So that's what I'm dealing with right now, but luckily I'm staying indoors most of the time today. So <laughs> Okay, so before we start, I'm going to talk about Smith & Wesson. Check out the folding pistol carbine, also known as the FPC from Smith & Wesson. It's chambered in 9mm and is only 16 and a half inches folded. It comes with three M&P mags, one 17 round and two that are 23 rounds. And then there's storage for two mags in the buttstock. It folds to the left side so that your optic can remain mounted. The folding mechanism is also pretty robust and easy to use compared to a lot of others. I mean, if I was able to do it, I feel like you guys, you know, could do it. And then it has an M-Lock 4 in for accessories and a full length rail on top. The barrel's threaded, which is awesome. So if you want to suppress it, you can. And then it also comes in a really discreet case, which I really liked that case. MSRP is only $659. If you want to find out more about this gun, look up FPC at smith-wesson.com. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. Cadence, so we met in Utah fairly recently for the Utah event. We met yep. a few days before that at, um, what was that range called? And it had like the indoor shotgun range. Yeah, TNT shooting range. Yeah, that was super cool. Like, I've never seen anything like it. And I, when they first said that we were going to a gun range, I was like, okay, cool. Like, and mm -hmm. it seemed like we were spending all day there. I'm just like, I feel like all of us have been to gun ranges and, you know, <laughs> but then once we got there and I saw like that indoor range, I'm like, okay, now it makes sense why they wanted us to go here. And from my oh, understanding, yeah. it was the first indoor shotgun range in the country. And then I think now there's like two others or something like that, but it was really impressive. And that's where we met. And I thought you were just like super, just super nice and like down to earth. And we hit it off right away. And then, Thanks, yeah. yeah. And then hung out at a Shuta event, but I was talking to you quite a bit about like, I guess kind of your claim to fame is, you know, you became a police officer and you've been pretty active on social media because you're also, like I said, known as Officer KK on social media. 
And I just thought that it'd be a good idea to have you on the show and just kind of discuss everything and sort of your journey from getting to where you are now. So I have to ask, like, was, you know, becoming an officer, was it something that you've wanted to do since you were little or did you kind of just like stumble upon it? That's a question I get a lot, actually. And the general answer is, oh, yeah, you know, my grandpa was a cop or my dad was a cop and I wanted to follow in their footsteps. But that wasn't wasn't my case because my family has a history of drug addictions and criminal activity and (laughs) wasn't sure, you know, I'd wake up my dad. Oh, he was in jail again. It was kind of normal. Yeah. And so it was definitely different than, than most people have. But no, I uh, I was 20 years old and I was working in the hotel industry. And I just, I just didn't feel like that was what I wanted to do the rest of my life. And I had to kind of do some self-internalizing and found that, you know, I, I wanted to do a career that I was proud to say that I was. And when I thought about it, it ended up being that I thought it would be awesome to be a police officer and say that I was a police officer. So I started just doing some research on the night shift at my hotel. And uh, I found that the first step into figuring out if this is a career for you is to go on a ride along. And uh, after I went on my first ride along, I was like, yeah, yeah, 100%. There's no other job that I want to do now. This is it. (laughs) So it was kind of just this epiphany moment. And and from there, I, you know, I looked up, oh, what, how do I, how do I even become a cop? And I found out that I can self-sponsor myself through the police academy, uh, which was starting in a month. And so I was like 21 in a day when I started the police academy. And uh, from there, I just found this love of myself and this confidence that I never had before. And I realized that this is it is completely a lifestyle and it changed my life for the better. And I wouldn't change any of it, even though my family wasn't too thrilled. Right. <laughs> uh, they, they, uh, my dad, t- I told my dad and, and he said, well, we might still be friends. <laughs> uh-huh. That's funny. You know, growing up, it was always like, he taught us to be outlaws and, you know, no laws can bound our family and this and that. So, yeah. So, uh, That's kind of what I was like thinking while you were saying all of this. I'm like, that's interesting because normally I would think if you grew up where, you know, your family's getting arrested, you know, and they're being charged for Mm -hmm. stuff that you would just typically start thinking, especially because, you know, at that young age where you can't really rationalize things as well, you would start thinking like, wow, like police officers are bad. They're always taking my dad away or, you know, my family. And so it's kind of interesting to see that you kind of took the opposite route and realized that like, no, there's still good that comes with police officers. Like we only show up if somebody's breaking the law. Right. And yeah, so. I think that's what it was for me. I saw the hurt and the trouble that, you know, all of my family, all my siblings, I think I have like 11 or 12 siblings. I don't even know. Um, but they, I mean, they're all using drugs. They're all going really not many places and just struggling. And I was like, you know, there's probably a different path I can take. And I just took the extra extreme and went to being a law enforcer instead of a a lawbreaker. (laughs) Do you think that like some of the stuff that you learned hanging out with them and like your dad kind of raising you the way that you did, do you think it sort of gave you like an upper hand on, you know, seeking out like if somebody's on drugs or, you know, some of the maybe tricks that they would play and stuff like that? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I, I use it every day, you know, my past experience because I've been there and I've seen, you know, what drug use does. I've seen what criminals do and the, and the choices that they make. And so it actually gives me some good rapport with, with the people that I deal with every day because, you know, I can actually understand what they're going through on a, on a personal level and we can chat and talk about it. And I create this rapport and then I end up getting more information and, you know, and the end goal is to help them stop doing what they're doing or, you know, get them to a better spot in life. And I feel like some, some of the times I've, I've been thanked for arresting people before many years later, they'll come back and say, you, you changed my life. Uh, you know, ever since you arrested me, I've now been on a better path. And so I do feel like, you know, a very small difference, but the, those differences make, make the world go round. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about you putting yourself through, law enforcement, like the law enforcement academy, what was that like? Yeah. So, well, (laughs) and you met me, so you know that this is going to sound crazy, but when I decided I was going to go into the police academy, I was 240 pounds. 
Uh, Which is so crazy because you're like this hot babe on Instagram that everybody's like, you know, like just Googling over. So (laughs) I do remember you saying that actually now that I think about it. And I was like, what? There's no way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, I never... I was always like broad shouldered, you know, my, my dad uh, had a, a big built frame and I kind of took after that. So I, you know, I, I had the ability to put on muscle and do these things, but I just, my lifestyle wasn't helpful in that area. And I was in a really bad relationship. And so I just gained all this weight. And so when I told everyone that I was going to be going to the police academy, people would, you know, look me up and down and be like, uh. they were probably <laughs> like, cool, you'll fit in. Like, you like donuts. <laughs> <laughs> A hundred percent. And so I, you know, I, I didn't even really know how to work out at that time. And so I was just doing something. I, I was running, you know, a quarter mile at a time on the treadmill and uh, just trying to make my way to be prepared for the police academy, which is hard to do. You just don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I signed up, everyone was like, yeah, good luck with that. Right. And so I was like, you know, what? screw you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to prove you all wrong. And that's kind of always been my mentality in life is just, you know, I'm going to do what I put my mind to and, and be successful in it. And so I lost 90 pounds in about eight months going through the police academy. And so for Utah requirements, you have to like pass running a mile and a half in, uh, I think 15 minutes. When I first got to the academy, I ran it in 22 minutes, which is basically just walking six laps. I'm like, well, what's wrong Um, with that? I feel like that would be the case for me right now. All right. And then I ended up getting the physical fitness award at the end of the academy by running the mile and a half in 11 minutes wow. uh, and being able to do, you know, the push ups, sit ups, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I definitely turned my life around. I, I ended my toxic relationship. I found a beautiful new one. And I've just been happy. I've been the most happy I've ever been in my life. And that was about five years ago. And that was also the same time that you met your boyfriend, who's also a cop. Yes. Yep. So we did the cliche thing and met in the academy and fell in love. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I love it. We're going to come back and talk about your boyfriend in a second because there's something that I want to talk about about him. But okay, so you graduate and then did you become a detective right after or what was your job like? Yeah. So I got hired while I was in the second block of the academy. So the law enforcement block and where you, you know, go through your firearms and the pursuit driving courses and all that stuff. So I got picked up by an agency, a city agency, and then they paid me pretty much the rest of the time to go through the academy, which was nice and helpful. But right after I finished the academy, I went through the FTO process, which is field training. And you spend about three or four months on there. And basically you're just, you go to the road first. So you're that cop on the side of the road with the radar gun. And (laughs) so I spent three years on patrol. So I just took any, any calls that came into our city. Um, Anytime someone calls the 911 or not emergency line, we would respond to whatever they needed. Did that for about three years. And then my lieutenants came to me and asked me to be the family crime detective, which Mm -hmm. is super riveting all the domestic violence is all the you know custody issues all that sort of stuff and i said you know i'm having so much fun on patrol i i love what i do you know i love the chase run fight stuff i you know i'm young i still have the energy for it and they're like well we just think you'd be good at this position so we're gonna send you back and i was like dang it <laughs> okay <laughs> but but it's been you know it's it's a blessing in disguise it's a lot of desk work but i am making more of a difference from there i'm helping victims overcome what's happened to them and you know seeing a case all the way through to prosecution and getting the justice for that victim and so it's definitely more difficult than you know just taking the day-to-day calls mm-hmm. but it's definitely more enthralling and exciting to be able to see you change, making a change for somebody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm going to take a quick break. Talk about Mantis. Mantis just released a new accessory for the Laser Academy to give you even more flexibility. The Laser Academy phone shades. They're essentially like sunglasses for your phone to allow use of the Laser Academy in brighter environments and outdoor settings. All you have to do is just place it over the camera lens and it filters that ambient light 
to let the camera app see the laser in those brighter conditions, which is huge because if you guys have the laser academy and you've ever tried to use it in a bright spot or even if it's indoors but it's like next to a window that has a lot of sun shining through it's a little difficult to work it comes with four shades in a velvet bag to keep them from getting scratched two sizes depending on your phone needs and two levels of shade intensity the shades are only $14.99, so it's a great affordable option to expand where you can use your Laser Academy. If you want to buy these, head on over to mantisx.com. And then from there, where did you go in your career? Well, there a lot of things happened between those, those times of me being on patrol. I actually received an award, very unexpected award for Officer Joseph Shinners, who passed away in the line of duty a year before, well, six months before I, I joined the Academy, I received an award to be sponsored to go to Letsy, which is law enforcement training camp. Mm-hmm. It's a big kind of, it's very similar to a shooting event where, you know, you go and there's a bunch of different, different courses you can take for over a few days. And that's kind of where I fell in love with firearms specifically. You know, I, I found that I had this natural ability and I was pretty, you know, it was fun. It was just this thing that I'd really never had in life is being able to shoot. And it wasn't my idea to go to a range and, you know, shoot some guns. So I, I through that award, you know, my agency saw that I, I was a decent shooter and they en- ended up sending me to firearms instructor school. Mm-hmm. And so I got my certification to teach a handgun shooting and block specifically just because that's what most agencies are using out here. And, and hold on, go um, back. What you said, Glock specifically? Yeah, Glocks. Oh, Glock. Yeah. Okay, Glock. <laughs> yep. I was like, what's Glock? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've heard of that one. <laughs> yeah. So after I got my certification to teach, I came back and was teaching for my department at you know three years on, which is exciting because then you're trying to teach you know 20 year guys how to shoot their firearm better, and they mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't really want to listen to you, right? <laughs> so, and then during that time on patrol, I actually was selected to go through Hell Week to be on our SWAT team. Mm-hmm. It was kind of an accident that it happened that way because there was a guy who was supposed to go through, but his wife was due, her baby was due during Hell Week. And so he didn't feel like it was a good idea to <laughs> to go through that while she was going to have a baby. So I was kind of the next senior officer to be able to go to that training. And so I went through hell week in 2019 and became the, what does that include? Oh my goodness. It's, it's what it sounds like. (laughs) Yeah. That's Um, why I'm like, all right, I got to ask. Like, I think listeners would be mad if I didn't ask for you to elaborate (laughs) on hell week. Yeah. So it's, so it's only five, it's, well, it's five and a half days. So it's not a full week, thank goodness. But it's very similar to like a military boot camp, except you combine, you know, the two or three months that you're doing the military boot camp into these five days. So basically, it's just this hazing process where you're doing these obstacles, you're learning how to be an operator, but they're also testing your mental ability and capacity to see, you know, what's going to make you quit. And so you're each night you're getting two hours of sleep. Well, they give you a two hour break. So after the last uh, operation or um, punishment, <laughs> they'll say, okay, you know, go ahead, go to bed, but then you have to clean your rifle and your pistol and, you know, take a shower and do all of these things. So really you're getting, you know, an hour of sleep, but you're in the barracks and uh, they wake you up with, you know, canines, barking in your face and sirens going off. And then you kind of start again. It starts with just rigorous PT. They'll throw you in this ditch of cold water and and submerge you with your gas mask. (laughs) They throw you in a gas chamber and, uh, you know, you have to go through that. You're hiking and you're running and in full kit and uh, climbing up Connex boxes and jumping off of them. So yeah, it's just this, this week long process of, of mental fortitude really. And, you know, they carry this bell around and make you, you know, want to ring the bell. Cause if you ring the bell, you're done. And there's, you know, scenarios where you're, you're doing an operation, you'll go into a house and there's, you know, six guys against your two guys and they just pummel you and make you fight out of it. And so it's good. It, I mean, it was the it was a, probably the hardest thing I've ever done. 
but definitely the most fulfilling. And after I completed that, I was like, you know what? I belong to be here. You know, I've worked for this and I, I'm never going to let my guys down. I'm going to do whatever it takes to to go home at night kind of thing. So that's, that's crazy though. As soon as you said that you only get two hours of sleep, I was like, well, I'm <laughs> where's that bell. I'm ringing in. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, it, that's pretty crazy. So I have to ask, like, did, I mean, were there a lot of people that just emotionally were like crumbling? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, physically, mentally, um, you have, we had a lot of people medically discharged basically. Um, they weren't, they weren't allowed to continue just because, they got pneumonia from, you know, the water or, um, they they would fall and and sprain something, break something, and they just couldn't continue. And then, yeah, you just see people like burst out into tears and, you know, like Mm -hmm. on this, you know, six, seven mile run and full kid or whatever, they would just, they would just collapse. And then you, your team, cause there's three teams, your team has to pick him up and carry him to the end. Cause if we don't finish, we get punished. And it's like, you're not going to drag us down, bud. So let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And my, my battle buddy ended up being this, this probably, you know, close to 300 pound Polynesian dude. Oh man. <laughs> so I, you know, I was shouldering him up and trying to carry him, you know, on those longer runs. Cause they were just, they were just so tough. And so that was a funny pairing because <laughs> there was there was times where we were required to fireman carry our battle buddy and and you know we, we got it done so. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i cannot believe that that's crazy i didn't even yeah. think that it was you know that intense although my cousin who is um she's like a private investigator or private i don't know something in the air force and sometimes yeah. she has to go away and do stuff like that where they can, I mean, they could hit, hit you. Like she came back, yeah. she had like a bloody lip or, you know, a scab on her lip because they hit her in the face. And I mean, I'm just like, that's crazy that it's, yeah. it's pretty close to real life where you're just like, no, it's fine. Like you see, right. you, you know, that there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel, but I mean, <laughs> it still is like, you have to be really like mentally and physically strong in order to take it. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, even just after the first day, I, you know, finally got to the point where I just needed to take a shower because I was just caked in mud. And as I was washing it off, I was like continuously trying to wash off the bruises that I didn't realize (laughs) accrued throughout the day. Cause yeah, I just there, I was covered head to toe and just bruises cause you're just getting bumped and thrown around and just crazy stuff crawling through the mud and all, all sorts of stuff. But yeah, Mm -hmm. some of it, blocked out of my memory i'm sure but it yeah. was a good time crazy okay so then so i'm assuming that you you achieved that and yes. and then where did you go from there so i uh i earned a spot on our on our, our swat team after going through hell week so there was a kind of a testing process to see who was going to go to hell week i won that over some of my coworkers. And after finishing that, and basically because I didn't quit, that's kind of your initiation to the SWAT team. And so I earned a spot on the SWAT team of my agency. I was actually the first female ever on our SWAT team. So that was kind wow. of cool accomplishment. Yeah. Since then, you know, I've been on the SWAT team for a few years now and I've made my way to uh, assistant team lead. And so I've got, you know, six operators that I'm over and I make sure that they're being safe on operations and things like that. But our team generally is is serving like drug warrants. So mm-hmm. we serve a, a ton. We work with our drug narcotics division and we serve a lot of their warrants for them. So they'll put together, okay, this is a drug house. We're going to go in, we're going to raid it, you know, take all their drugs. So we get utilized most often with that. We don't get a lot of, you know, barricaded or hostage situations. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have, but yeah, generally our usage is serving those drug operation warrants. Hmm. And how is that? I mean, that must be kind of scary. Like, all right, who's going to knock on the door? Like, all right, I'll just stand by, you know, behind you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's a... There's a big, long process of, you know, like of making sure everyone has their assignment, knows their assignment, you know, the formations we're going to use, what happens when we get inside. And so everything's very extremely planned out. They actually say, so that type of, that type of situation is actually less dangerous than most patrol calls. So, and it's because of all the planning that goes into it. You know, we're doing surveillance for a few days. We know exactly who's going to be there, who's going to come and go and who's in the house, what they're going to have, if they have any firearm history. So we do a lot of planning and that's why generally they're, they're so safe. I mean, so 
you know, a regular traffic stop, there's so many unknowns and you're walking up to someone you who have no idea who's in the car, if they have a weapon or anything like that. So generally, you know, a normal traffic stop would actually be more dangerous than, than an operation. Cause we do so much work beforehand. Interesting. I'm going to take another quick break. Talk about gators. Gators has some truly amazing sunglasses, and they're about to add to that lineup. Any day now, they're going to release something cool. I've already got my set and have been using that. I really like it. But be sure to follow them and me on social media to stay in the know. There's also a link on their Instagram to sign up so that you'll be one of the first people to find out once it launches, because it is going to be launching here in the next week. But I am really excited for it. In the meantime, if you head on over to gators.com forward slash Ava, make sure you use that link because that's going to get you 15% off your entire purchase. And they, like I said, they make some really incredible glasses that are just really durable and really comfortable. And it's something that I think everyone needs in their life. One thing I heard, and maybe you can confirm this or not, but when an officer pulls somebody over, do they put their fingerprint on the back of their car before they go up to their window? So that is an old school tactic. And some of the old school guys still use it. Mm -hmm. But the reason they did that is because for kind of pursuit or fleeing suspects, and this was before we had like dash cameras and body cameras and all that stuff. And so the only way to really know if this was the car that ran from you is to, you know, dust that area where there might be a fingerprint of the officer. And so that, that was a thing, (laughs) but now that we have that dash cam and body camera, it's like, well, right on camera, we see your license plate, we see your car. Like Mm -hmm. obviously it was you. So yeah, not as used, not used as much anymore, but some people, you know, especially the older guys have just gotten in a habit of doing it. And so, yeah, yeah, it is a thing. (laughs) Yeah. I always wondered about that. Okay, let's talk about you getting into jujitsu. When did you start doing that? So I started my journey about two and a half years ago. And so my boyfriend, he wrestled in high school. And then in college, he took actual like a jujitsu class, which I didn't even know they did in college. (laughs) But yeah, he took a course in jujitsu. And he's always kind of had this love for, you know, ground fighting and all this stuff. So he found a gym, you know, after we finished FTO, after we've been on patrol for a while, it was like, okay, we need to get back into, you know, training and making sure that we're good to go. And I, you know, we, I had basic ground tactics from the Academy and a little bit of boxing um, history from when I was just a juvenile, but I didn't really have anything else. And so he found a gym that a lot of, you know, cops and firefighters go to and started going and he was just begging me to go. And I just, I, didn't want to go because I was so scared about looking stupid. You know, and I was like, no, like, I don't know enough. They're going to make fun of me, whatever. Like I had all these just preconceived notions in my mind about how it was going to go. Mm-hmm. So it took like almost probably almost a year of him convincing me every time he went to like go with him. And so finally I was like, whatever, I'll just go. And then after my, just after my first class, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is such a fun environment everyone is so welcoming and kind. Like they, you know, wanted me to be successful in this. And, and so after that, I was like, yeah, this is a place I want to be and go to. And we've created this, you know, little family at at my jujitsu gym. And, you know, and that's really anywhere you go to, because I've been to other jujitsu gyms when we've been out of town or um, just trying them out. And everyone is just always so welcoming. So I'm, currently a second degree white belt so nothing crazy um but i am competing in my first jiu-jitsu tournament uh in a couple weeks nice so that will be- yeah that's exciting and i mean i don't really know much about jiu-jitsu but i'm assuming that you're you know signed with somebody and you guys just you battle it out right yeah so it's like like a, a wrestling tournament you've got a bracket of people in your same weight group and yeah it's There'll be three rounds of five minutes and whoever, you know, gets the most points basically takes the win on that one. And so 
it's it's gonna be exciting i don't i don't know what to expect because all of my jujitsu game has been very defensive minded mm-hmm. where you know this is what i'm gonna use when someone tries to attack me on the job or tries to fight me on the job i'm, I'm gonna use these tactics to get out of whatever situation they try and put me in mm-hmm. but i've never really taken it to the step of like offensive minded where now i'm you know, submitting them and putting them in chokeholds and, you know, doing arm bars and things like that. Yeah. And so I've got to turn, you know, turn it a little bit up for my tournament to remind myself, okay, like I'm in it to win it. I'm not just in it to get to that dominant position and get them in handcuffs or anything yeah. like that. So yeah, that be, makes sense. Fun. I'm excited. Nice. Yeah. We'll definitely keep me posted on that. We'll be cheering yeah. for you. Going back to your boyfriend. So he is a police canine handler. And I actually like, I thought this was really interesting because I guess I didn't know much about, you know, if somebody is assigned a police dog, but that dog, like, you know, stays with you, you take care of it. Like it doesn't really leave your side. And I just thought like, oh, I guess I don't know what I thought. I mean, I didn't think that you guys like left it at work and then you get to work and it's like, hey, buddy, you know, kind of like your your partner. Yeah. But it was kind of sad because you said so you guys have two other dogs, but the police canine, it can't go inside. It can't be, you know, like it has to stay outside. And like you guys have like a, you know, because Utah, you're in Utah and it gets a lot of snow, but you guys have like a whole dog house for it and like a heater and stuff like that. But tell me about that. Like, there's just, I guess there's a lot of, I wouldn't say misconceptions, but I guess things out there that I guess most people wouldn't think about or know. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been, he's always wanted to be a canine officer when he first got into the job. He, you know, he's a dog lover, he's an animal lover, and and he's really proactive about finding drugs and, um, you know, arresting people and doing all the things that you're supposed to do when you're on the road. I mean, he's just really good at it. So his his department actually finally, after I think four years, three and a half years, told him that he would be getting the next dog. And so he's just preparing for it. He's been tra- he was training with all the other dogs in the county. And uh they finally gave him the dog. And he, at the beginning it wasn't a lovely process. This dog was three and a half years old and kind of grew some bad habits of chewing on rocks because the uh-huh. drives were so high that, you know, he wasn't getting played with enough and he kind of sat in the kennel too much. And so he would just find something to fix his drives. Right. And so he'd find rocks and just chew on them and, and he ground all of his canines down And he was just kind of angry, which I would be too, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if I was in that situation. And he went from, you know, out in the, out in the county area where, you know, your neighbor's a mile away to where we live, which is pretty small city. We have a nice backyard, but you know, all of the car sounds and everything going on. He was not very happy here (laughs) at the beginning, Uh, even though we had way more space and we were playing with him every day. He was pretty angry dog, but my boyfriend, Joseph, just put in so much work with this dog and turned him into this just amazing, amazing drug dog, but also kind of a family dog. You know, it's hard to, because yeah, what you're saying, we don't normally let him inside. He doesn't really get to, you know, play with all of our dogs all the time because we want to keep his drives high Mm -hmm. because the higher his drives are, the harder he will work to find those drugs and get his reward, which is a toy. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he just, he will do, he will drop he will drop a T-bone steak for a ball. like, And that's kind of the type, the mentality you want these dogs to have. Yeah. And they will do anything to find those drugs. And so, you know, he, he wouldn't even like to be inside because every time we have brought him inside, he starts looking for drugs. That's <laughs> and funny. House, like he goes on the hunt. Yeah. Cause he's just, he's well-trained. Yeah. But as soon as you throw his toy for him, he just becomes like, he's just the happiest dog in the world. And so, yeah, it was definitely an adjustment. We've had the cops show up at our house a few times because he won't stop barking because he's just ready to play. And so that's always exciting. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry. It's our police canine. Right. Not, not much we can do. He's, just, yeah. he's a little ramped up right now. So. But yeah, it's it's been a process and a journey. And now, you know, the pair of them are pulling drugs out of cars almost every night. You know, they've gotten some really good buzz. They found like cars that have secret compartments and he's done, you know, just big drug busts. Wow. So it's, it's really good. They're a great team. He's turned that dog into just an amazing, amazing tool for the job. But 
the pair of them, they, they love each other. And now, you know, me and, and his canine are best friends and he loves me. And so, hmm. but anyone else, he, he'll, he'll probably snap at you because he's yeah. angry. Yeah. And <laughs> that's how you want from my understanding, so the dogs are only a police canine for how many years? Is it eight and then they retire? So it depends on, I guess, the dog. Generally, you're going to start seeing some medical issues at like six to eight years. Mm-hmm. And so that's about the time that they retire. So with our dog only being a drug dog and not like a police apprehension dog, which is a bite dog, mm-hmm. he doesn't have to go through as much training and kind of rigorous training week to week, right? This dog only searches for drugs. So his like medical status is, is a lot lower and a lot easier to maintain than like a bite dog would because they go through so much more of, you know, getting hit by the suspects and potentially shot by the suspects and things like that. When you work a a bite dog, they do a lot more. And so because Joseph's dog doesn't have any canines, uh, it makes it a little bit harder for him to be a bite dog or he would be. And so with him, we got him at three and a half years. And I think we could probably work him for maybe four more years. Mm-hmm. Maybe we've had him for a year and a half. And so he'll last a little bit longer in the job than like a bite dog would. But yeah, you're you're not seeing many dogs working past like nine years old. And then whoever the officer is that has the dog, when the dog retires, they get to keep him, correct? Yeah. Yep. Usually that that's how it works. And so mm-hmm. then at that point you have to retrain them to be that family dog, right? Because you don't want to, I mean, you can keep them, you know, outside and train them. But at that point, it's like, they only have a few good years left. So it's just give them the treats and let them play and cuddle them and and, and praise them for the good work that they did. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, wrapping up, is there any future plans that you can share with us? Well, always trying to move up in my agency, obviously. i being a detective, I'll probably be an, a detective for a year or two more and then look forward to moving into the patrol sergeant spot and having a team a crew of people that I'm running and we're all out in the city just busting the suspects and finding mm-hmm. all their drugs, doing the fun stuff. That's definitely the most fun. But um, personally, I want to continue, you know, my defensive tactics, instructing and teaching jujitsu at the police academy and teaching firearms, but I'm trying to pair up. Well, there's a company that reached out to me that wants me to teach uh, women's self-defense, which is a huge, huge thing that I want to focus on in my life because I feel like every woman should be confident in walking out of their house and feeling like they can take care of themselves if they need to. Mm -hmm. And that, that defensive program would include firearms training as well. And so that's something that I look forward to just kind of introducing here is, all right, let's, you know, let's teach you how to fight with your hands. And if it gets to the point where you need to grab that gun, then let's make sure you know how to use it as well. So mm-hmm. that's something I look forward to for sure. Very nice. And then for those who want to follow you on social media, what are your handles? Yeah. So, um, I'm mainly on Instagram. I haven't branched out too far into other platforms, but yeah, on Instagram, it's just at OFC underscore KK. And you can follow me there. And I am always trying to do better at posting about what I'm doing at the time, but you know, life gets crazy sometimes. So absolutely. All right, cool. Moving on with the rest of the show. So BSF barrels. These barrels are, I'm just going to admit, like they're beautiful. Like it gives it a nice, because they're carbon fiber. So the carbon kind of gives it like a really nice sleek look, but it's not just about look. So it goes beyond that. So all the barrels have BSF's attention sleeve carbon fiber to give you that heavy barrel rigid accuracy without packing on all the pounds. They're 0.875 inches in diameter, but the carbon fiber saves you about half the weight compared to a similar steel barrel, which is pretty amazing. And you guys will definitely see the difference between shooting the two. If you want to buy a barrel, which I highly recommend, and they come in all different calibers and lengths, head on over to bsfbarrels.com and remember to use the code ELITE15, that's E-L-I-T-E-1-5, and you're going to get 15% off your entire order. Today in politics. Politics. What is going on in the world today? 
this posted, I didn't really look into it, but essentially the IRS raided a gun store and this happened last week. It was a Manitou gun store. They showed up with 20 heavily armed and fully kitted out agents and were accompanied by ATF agents, but the IRS was running the show. The IRS agents had a search warrant allegedly for unreported millions of dollars of income, which I hate to say it, guys, but gun stores don't really make that much. The agent spent 10 hours there during which the store was forced to be closed and they seized all point of sale records, financial documents, and here's the kicker, all of the 4473s from 13 years that the store has been in business. The weird thing is, though, is that 4473s were not named in the search warrant. The owner contacted ATF supervisor Kirk Nelson and asked if he had to turn them over when the agents asked him to because they were not listed on the warrant. Initially, the supervisor told him that he didn't, but later reversed that. First thing, this is obviously another case of weaponized government agencies prosecuting a lawful business. Congressman Matt Rosendale immediately responded, the weaponization of our government must be stopped, which is why I sent a letter to ATF Director Dettelbach and IRS Commissioner Warfield demanding answers about the outrageous attack and have used every tool available to me to remove funding for the 87,000 additional IRS agents. The only response from the IRS was that they do not comment on open investigations. Mr. Van Hoos, the owner of the store, plans to start a GoFundMe to raise money for a legal challenge to the 4473 seizures. Something that everyone needs to be asking in all of this is what could the IRS possibly want with the 4473s, though? Because those 4473 documents, all it includes is a person's personal information and then like what the make, model, serial number, and what gun it is that they bought. There's no financial information on those, which is kind of weird. We already know that like ATF under the Biden administration has illegally been building a searchable database of firearm sales. So I wonder if there's some sort of correlation with this. And I don't know. I mean, so there's definitely a few red flags in this that, you know, there's some things that don't make sense. So hopefully more details unfold as this happens. But if you guys want to help this guy, he, like I said, he has a GoFundMe. Um, So feel free to, you know, to offer funds for that. Moving forward, Caldwell. Cadence, do you have any experience with Caldwell or with steel targets or anything like that? Um, minimal. We shoot steel targets um, on our ranges, and uh, but I, yeah, I don't know even what the brand we buy them from is. I love steel targets just because it's one of those things. Like you ever shoot at a target and you're like, I don't even know where my bullet went. Like depending on, let me see. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, all right, we have to go up to it. What I love about steel targets is like, you can shoot from a distance and you automatically hear it hit the steel. So you don't have to think about like, well, did I even hit it or not? And like I said, it's really good for longer range. Caldwell has a bunch of new targets coming out that I definitely think everyone should check out. They have their AR-500 dual spinner target, which is like an awesome portable spinner that won't break the bank. It has an 8-inch and a 5-inch plate that spin with impact, and the AR-500 steel is rated for handgun and rifle. Unlike a lot of spinners, the steel stand breaks down for easy transport in a compact bag, which is kind of the only downside to steel is it's just kind of excuse my language, sort of a bitch to, you know, lug around and set up. And then best of all, the price is $159.99. But if you use the code GUNFUNNY10, that's all one word, you're going to get 10% off your entire order. Today's... get one of those. Yeah, it's definitely fun. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's Q&A is somebody asked, are you going to TriggerCon? TriggerCon is kind of similar to the Shuta event that we went to, 
But unlike recent years, not like last year, but in recent years, they're actually having a two-day event where people can walk around. It's going to be in a event center, so there's no range time. And then you can like look at the guns and stuff like that. And then the third day is going to be the range day. So it's kind of cool because then you get to check out all of the newest products and then make sure that you don't miss it on the range. Because I don't know if you're like me, but anytime there's an event and people are like, oh, did you get to check out that gun or this gun? And I'm like, man, I didn't even know that that gun was on the range. So this kind of gives you, you know, the ability to like see what's going to be out there, you know, check with the vendors, see if they're going to be on range day and then make sure that, you know, that you get to shoot that specific gun. TriggerCon is actually giving me a link if you guys want to sign up for it. So it takes place in Kansas, in Wichita, and you can use the code GUNFUNNY or there's a link on the show notes if you want to sign up for it. But it takes place in Kansas, and I believe it is September 22nd to the 24th. So it should be a lot of fun. I'll be going as well as quite a few other people. IWI. Cadence, what is your, if you don't mind, what is like your typical, like your most common EDC gun? So I carry my Glock 43X with me. Nice. Uh, yeah, just small, compact, easy. It's got a lot of rounds in it. So yeah, that's usually the For the longest time, I always carried like the Glock 42. I really liked that. And then they came out with the 43 and then the 43X. Mm-hmm. I do have the 43X and I like that as well. One gun that you should check out if, you know, if you're looking to, you know, maybe add to your collection or change things up a little bit is so IWI has their Masada Slim and I really like it. It's very similar to actually in size to the 43X or if you're familiar with like SIG, the P365 or the P365 Mm -hmm. XL. Best of all, though, is the price. It's only $450, which is MSRP. So typically you're going to find that for a lot less but it comes with two 13-round mags or 10-round mags if you live in a restricted state. But it also is compatible with the full-size Jericho mags, which I believe holds 17 rounds. It's also optic-ready. It has a really nice trigger on it. It's compatible with like any of the shield optic footprints, which means like it'll fit like the Holosyn 507K, Romeo Zero, and other like slim micro dots. But yeah, I'm a huge fan and it's one of those things where the moment I shot it, I was like, I need this. And luckily (laughs) they are becoming more available in stores for a while. When it first came out, you couldn't really find them in stores, but I am seeing them pop up quite a bit. If you guys want to check it out, you know, head on to your local gun dealer. Also, if you want to buy anything from their web store, they have all kinds of stuff. Head on over to IWI.us and don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word, and you're going to get 15% off your entire web store order. Tacti Talk. Tacti Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. One Shot introduces handgun stabilizer. I don't know if you had a chance to click on the link because I didn't see this at NRA, I guess, when they unveiled it. But just reading the description that my editor put in, I was like, okay, I it's and I I don't think I still understand this whole thing. So it's weird because it's a non-attached pistol stabilization system. And I guess they've had previous versions of the product, and I guess they've been used by more than like a hundred military and law enforcement agencies for a decade, but now they're offering pre-orders on the newest version to the civilian market. The concept is very similar to a pistol brace. Actually, it looks closer to, I'd say, like a stock, but the big difference is that it doesn't attach to the gun. It's essentially a solid rest that you can put up to your shoulder to brace the pistol against, but like I said, it doesn't attach. The front end of it has a thumb hole and a grip-like front uh, that your hand holds against the back of the grip. So in other words, your grip attaches it to the pistol, but it doesn't lock in. Does that make sense to you? It's like one of those things where you kind of have to just like click on it and you're like, okay, that does make more sense. 
Yeah, so in a way with everything going on with pistol braces, mm-hmm. um, because there's no attachment points, I wonder if this sort of goes around everything that's going on. But yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say because even though given the previous rules, there's the mere act of shouldering a brace, which right. constitutes as modification. So I don't know. There may not be a way around it or there might be because you know there's so many gray areas especially when it comes to atf sounds like they're on the right track though yeah but i don't know so if you guys are looking for something that's a little bit different out there definitely check it out it's only 99 dollars, and it is available for pre-order and you can pre-order at usa1shot.com or if you even just want to click on it to see what i'm talking about because like i said it is pretty it's interesting but it's also hard to describe without looking at the picture And I guess the official release date is set for July 4th. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f... Never mind. AF. Okay, AF segment. Have you tuned into, like, Hunter Biden finally getting charged? Did you read about that at all? I saw the headline. I haven't read about it. Yeah. So it's just been like this ongoing. Well, apparently, you know, they said that it's been like an ongoing investigation, which I don't think they've done really any investigation of his, you know, illegal actions. But people, you know, some people, especially on the left, they're like, see, justice is served. The left side, you know, if we do something wrong, we own up to it. And I'm just like, uh, please, like this literally was just a slap on the wrist. So Hunter pled guilty in a sweet deal of two charges of willfully failing to pay federal income tax, according to the court filing. Connected to those guilty pleas, he entered a pretrial diversion agreement in connection with a charge of possession of a firearm by a person who is a user or addict of illegal drugs. Timing of the deal is obvious and another blatant example of the two-tiered justice system in place. Trump is facing hundreds of years for mishandling top secret documents that he declassified. And don't forget the rampant abuse of top secret documents by Biden, Clinton, Pence, and more. No charges for those guys, though. And really none for Hunter. These are like nonsense misdemeanor charges. He'll pay a fine for failing to pay taxes and in exchange for remaining drug free and not committing additional crimes for two years, the gun charges go away. In a division agreement, the charges are dismissed when terms are met. That means no felony, so he'll still be able to own a gun legally later on, which is just like so baffling. Any normal person with those gun charges would be facing, you know, much larger fines, 10 years in jail, and they would lose their gun rights. Yep. It's just, oh, it's so frustrating to see all of this happen. But yeah, so that happened. Yeah, this is essentially just like a really, you know, pathetic attempt by the DOJ to pretend like the justice system's equal while clearly it illustrates it's not. I think I've said this in previous shows, like, you know, the law is for thee, not for me. And I feel like that's the perfect example of this. Okay. Franklin Armory. Have you ever shot a binary trigger? By chance? No, I haven't. Man, you are missing out. Okay. I know, I am. <laughs> well, you know what? Because you're you're coming to Colorado in August, right? Yes. I should yeah. have you shoot one of my guns that has a binary trigger on it. I think you're going to be like, what? Like, you make me spend money. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, yeah. So having a binary trigger, definitely, it's like, you know, the cost of a magazine, but now it just went, it doubles. And that's because every time you pull the trigger, a round shoots out. And then as you release the trigger, another round shoots out. So for every like normal trigger pull, you're shooting two rounds. Hence, Hence why it's like probably double the cost, but it is so much fun. Like I feel like everyone has to do it at least once in their life. And the best part is, is they make them for all different kinds of guns, all different kinds of calibers, including 22. So if you don't want to break the bank, you could always go for a 22 binary trigger. But they also have it like nine millimeter, five, five, six. They have it for AKs. And I mean, like I said, they're just a lot of fun. Right now, I think their AR triggers are on sale for $386.99. And if you use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, you're going to get 10% off your entire order. And you can buy them at franklinarmory.com. 
Wrapping up. So my editor included this. This guy didn't leave a review, but he emailed me on two different emails to my my uh, training email, Elite Firearms and Training, and then to Gun Funny. And I figured I would read this just because I don't know if we really, we don't get any negative reviews, but I just kind of had a laugh and I figured, you know, you guys could also use a laugh. This guy, Mike Lunsford, he wrote, Second Amendment, too bad, you lunatics. Maybe he actually did mean to, I think he meant to write this as a review, but he couldn't figure out how to use like the podcast app. And so he just emailed it because he did title it. So yeah, Second Amendment, too bad, you lunatics. All of you damaged beyond belief and so morally and intellectually fragile. Don't really care about any of the other amendments besides number two. You have enabled the tyranny you pretend to defend against. That's because you are semi-literate morons on some cheap power trip. God bless and happy Pride Month. And then three rainbows. And then he his next one was Hunter Biden. Keep screeching about Hunter Biden, you brain-damaged carnival barker. You come across as a modern-day IAB. And we all know what happened to that Monaco Sea Captain Wright. And I'm just still trying to make sense of all that. <laughs> yeah, wow. Those are, those are words. Um, but also, for me, saying, like, you don't care about any of the other amendments except for the second. Like, yeah, because the second, like, keeps all the other amendments in place. Like, the Second Amendment is incredibly important because without the Second Amendment, nobody's going to abide by any of the other amendments, in my opinion. And I don't know. Well, that's the one that's in question and in danger right now. None of the other ones are. Mm-hmm. That's true as well. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, so and he left his email. So now I have an email to use whenever somebody asks me to, you know, leave an email and I don't want to give out my information. I'll be sure <laughs> to give out Mike's. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll even make a donation to the, you know, the Trump foundation for his campaign or for his legal fees with his name and email and, and be sure to thank him for that. But no, I mean, in all honesty, I mean, I don't care. It's, it's one of those things. I think Jim Fuller even said it best on the last episode. Like if you don't have haters, you're not doing it right. And you've never stood up for something that you believe in. So it is what it is. And, you know, if I have some haters because of that, I'm totally fine with it. Now it's time to wrap up. Guys, I did just create a Twitter account. Well, I actually created it in April, but this month I've been trying to get really active and try to grow my following. So if you are on Twitter and you want to follow me, you could find me at Ava Flannel underscore. So A-V-A, F is in Frank, L-A-N-E-L-L underscore. And follow me on there. I'm going to become pretty active just because all of these other platforms just to, you know, they're either shadow banning me or they want to delete my account. I don't know. Cadence, are you on Twitter at all? Not on Twitter, but I did recently get shadow banned on Instagram. So (laughs) I know. And it's so frustrating. And it's like, I don't know. So, so far I've had some pretty good luck on Twitter. At first I'm like, how do you figure this thing out? Like, what do you do? But now Mm -hmm. I think also as I get older, I get a little bit more political too. And And not just with, you know, Second Amendment things, but just a lot of other things that, you know, maybe I'm just stuck in my old, like old ways, but I hate to see, you know, happen to America. So I've been pretty vocal about it. So I don't know. I've been kind of enjoying it. And it's kind of nice that so far nobody's shadow banning me or trying to cancel me because of it. Yeah, I would highly recommend, you know, if you haven't create a Twitter account Also, if you guys enjoy the show and you want to become a Patreon, I would greatly appreciate it. So just remember, if you become a Patreon, you automatically get access to our Patreon-only Facebook group, and you have to search for it in Facebook, and it's called GF Media Patreons. Go ahead and join that, and I'll just double-check to make sure that you're a Patreon. Also want to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Sake Holsters, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, Melissa Writings, and William Naive. Hopefully I said that right. He's a new Patreon. And then also wanted to thank the king of the Patreons, who is Jon Snow. And Cadence, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for everything that you've done and sharing your story with us. Like, 
you actually, I didn't, you told me a lot of stuff that I didn't know. And I already had like respect for you just in, you know, like when I met you just because you were so approachable and down to earth. But then after hearing your story and just, you know, learning about all that you've accomplished, like you're freaking kicking ass, you're doing an awesome job. And, you know, I have all the respect in the world for you. So keep up the good work and and thanks for making our world better. Thank you, Ava. I appreciate you inviting me on here. And this was fun to chat with you. And hopefully I'll see you in August. Absolutely. And then can you just remind listeners once again, where they can find you on Instagram? Yeah. So it's at OFC underscore KK or just type in officer KK. I should pop up. All right. Perfect. All right, guys, I will talk to you next week and we're out of here. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.